As we stand in this sanctuary this morning, would you hear the word of the Lord from Ruth chapter 1, Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened that when they came to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth and Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Let us pray. Our good and our holy God, we thank you this day for your word. We thank you on this Lord's day, a day that we we celebrate and the day that we worship and we offer you praise and a day that we pray and greet and the day that we sing and listen. We pray on this day, Lord, that you would meet with us in a special way, that, that by your Spirit you would make the Word a word for us as we seek to follow you in this world. Lord, you speak to us your Word in hard times and you speak to them in in joyful times, and you meet us in the mundane, and you call us forward. Today, Lord, we pray that you meet us and call us forward. That you speak over the bones and call forth life. We pray, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us this day as we open your word together. God, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray that you would give us tender hearts that would receive your word as a seed planted in rich soil. God, we pray that you would give us feet that would walk quickly to do your will, that you would make our frame sturdy and strong, that our work in this world would be like your own. And God, we pray that a word of hope and life would be found on our tongues. This is our prayer as a family of faith. In the name of Jesus, the Lord. And we pray together saying, amen and amen. Friends, please be seated. Today we continue our message series in the book of Ruth. Last week we saw uh, Ruth and Naomi. We saw them in their, in their immigration. We saw them in their life challenges and situations. We, we saw them hear the rumor on the wind in Moab that God had visited his people in Bethlehem. And we saw them get up and leave and return to Bethlehem. And today we pick up as they begin to settle back in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And, and we, see the, we, we see the reunion. Ruth, this is not Ruth's place. This is Naomi's place. And she's coming home. And, and, and when she gets home, they come out to meet her. And it said they were all excited about the return of Naomi. The word had spread through that little town. And words have a way of spreading through small towns, through, through little places. I once heard a country song that said, The word passed through the, the barflies and the Baptist. And, 
And in a town like Waco, Texas, you know, the word will travel through the bar flies and the Baptists and everybody's going to know what's going on pretty soon. And, and the word had traveled around that Naomi was coming home. Naomi's name means pleasant. Pleasant was returning. Some of them knew her in her childhood, likely. Some of them saw her as a strong and beautiful young woman. Some of them remembered when she left seeking a better life. Sometimes you know, sometimes you know you leave and people watch you go and they just wonder what you're going to make yourself. And here's the day she came back. And they went out and they didn't recognize her. Now, how many of you have been to your 50th anniversary? Your, your 50th reunion? You walked in the door and you said, who are all these old people? <laughs> I hadn't been there yet, but my mom talked about it. She said, man, look at these pictures of the people at the, at the reunion. All these old people. And, uh, and so she'd been gone a while, and she comes back, and life had been hard. And when she got back, they sort of squinted their eyes, and they didn't recognize her. Who is this woman? And maybe they did know exactly who she was, and it had a little barb to it. They said, is this Naomi? This person here? Is this Naomi? And she looked at him. And she says, I'm not Naomi anymore. My name is Mara. You see, Mara means bitter. She said, the Almighty has dealt a strong blow against me. He's turned his hand in judgment against me. He, he said, I am no longer pleasant. I have returned bitter. And friends, in every person's life, there is a season where you go for a moment or for a while under the movement of Naomi tomorrow. It is part of the human condition. Alan Noble, who is a literature professor at Oklahoma Baptist University and a theologically trained man, he said human existence is an inescapable tragedy. You're not going to get out of this deal without a broken heart. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. You've either been in the season, you're in it now, or it's coming where you go from Naomi tomorrow for a while. And so the question before us today, the question on the table, the question begging an answer is how do we live as followers of God when we go from Naomiville to Maratown? When we go from pleasant to bitter. And the story helps us understand. The story gives a trajectory. The story gives us suggestions. And today we look at the story. We hear the story. And we see that when life gets bitter... We can lament, and we can lean, and we can live on. So for just a few moments today, before you go to the Baylor Club or wherever you go to eat, Ridgewood will wait on you. Before we go to lunch, I want us to think about these things together. When life gets better, friends, we can learn to lament. We can learn the lost language of lament. There are scholars that believe that the Naomi story is a female version of the Job story. There are people who believe that these stories, when you look at them together, they're, they're so powerfully uh, similar that the lessons to be had in the Job story are to be had in the story of Naomi. About a faithful person whose life falls out from underneath them. 
a person who's trying to make sense of the world awry, uh, uh, trying to make sense of a world where God is the chief character. And like Job, Naomi, she lifts her voice and she, she speaks a word of lament before God and before people. Lament is the voice of a faithful person offering complaint before the Lord. It's the heart cry of anguish. It is, it is not apostasy. It is faithfulness in its most gritty form. Mark Vrogop was a pastor. He lost a child. And that experience worked on him. And much like John Claypool, he took that experience into the church and he began to model for the church the lost language of lament. He said, lament helps us to fight to believe what we believe we believe. And that's what Naomi was doing. In chapter 1, verse 9, she blessed those daughters in the name of God. She says, if they have a future, if they have a hope, if they have a way, it's because of Yahweh God. And then in 1.13, she looked at them and she said, Now, my daughters, it grieves me very much for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She believed in God. She just hated the circumstances she was in. And she was hurt and she was confused and she was wounded. And instead of giving God the silent treatment, instead of quietly walking away, she lifted a voice of lament. And she said, may God bless you. But he certainly turned against me. You see, this type of language is all through the Bible. One third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Where faithful people are bringing their hurts and their fears and their pains before God. They're turning to God and they're complaining, full-throated complaining to God. And then they make bold ask of God and then they settle down in a place of trust. We have the language of lament on the lips of Jesus. We see Jesus in the garden crying out, Father, Father. We hear him on the cross. My God, my God, why? And anytime you hear someone say, my God, why? You are hearing the language of lament. Pentecostal pastor Mark Sharona said, when the saints are suffering, we cannot sweep it under the rug or wave a magic wand and think it will make it all go away. May we ever remember the cry of dereliction of Christ on the cross, my God, my God, why? Give people permission to lament and even complain before God. My God, my God. On that day, on that cross, God abandoned him in the sense that he allowed the crucifixion to go forward. Jesus had already said, I will lay my life down. I will take it back up again. It was from a heart of love that Christ went to the cross. The just judge judged in our place to bring us to God. But on that cross, looking at the sin of the world and its consequences, he lifted a lament. He lifted a lament. He also quoted the first line of a hymn that would move 
from this, this abandonment to a place of trust and to people coming to know God. It, it ends with trust and the evangel. Because there's more to the moment than how we feel, but how we feel matters. It matters deeply, and we can't jump over it even as we go through it to see the broader picture. And on the cross, he gave us a way forward. And Naomi, in her feelings of pain, she spoke truth to God, and she said, I want to be known as Mara and not Naomi because I am so, so, so bitter. But that didn't mean her bitterness was the core of the reality, and it certainly didn't mean it was the whole story. Havia Ladaramre is a scholar from India, Old Testament scholar. She made an interesting observation about Naomi. She said, at a, at a narrative level, the fact that Naomi, despite her request, is never once called Mara by either the narrator or the characters could indicate that the author does not completely concur with Naomi's assessment. She says, I'm bitter and God's against me. Call me Mara. And nobody did. Nobody did. You see, how we feel matters, but it's not the whole of the story. And in those moments where we feel abandoned and bitter and we feel like we're Mara, we have every legitimate right to say it. And we should say it. And we should say it to God. And we probably shouldn't hold it back from the people that love us. But only God has the right to name us. Only God has the right to call us by name. And only God has the right to change our name. We may feel it, but it does not define us. But we can lament. So how do we do it? Well, I would suggest you take a psalm, like, like the one we've listed in your worship guide, a psalm of lament, and you learn, relearn the language of lament. And when the bottom falls out for you, and when you feel like you are Naomi turned Mara, go to those texts and relearn them. And turn to God. And complain. And ask boldly. And settle in trust. Get you an index card and go to your closet. Go to your bathroom and shut the door. Go to your back porch as the leaves fall. Go to your office early. And write out your own prayer to God. What do we do when life gets bitter? We go to God. And we lament. But friends, Naomi wasn't just in a relationship with the Lord. She was also in a relationship with Ruth. I love the opening sentence, verse, verse 18. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Meaning, uh, Naomi had been arguing with Ruth about coming. She said, it'd be better for you if you just stayed here. I don't want you to come with me. But Ruth was determined. And Naomi saw something in that young woman's eyes that settled it for her. And when she spoke her last, Naomi accepted it and never spoke it again. Never once spoke it again. And from that moment on, as Ruth's uh, movement into Naomi's life meant Naomi's God was Ruth's God, Naomi's land was 
was Ruth's land and Naomi's future was Ruth's future. As they linked their lives together, they began to lean on each other. And Naomi would need Ruth and Ruth would need Naomi. And the rest of the story is about these two women walking with a lean as famine immigrants into an old hometown where people are snickering about how old she looks. They walk with a lean, but they lean on each other, and it gives them life. And friends, when life gets bitter, you've got to remember how to lean and how to let somebody lean on you. Sometimes when things get hard, we hear the siren voice calling us to a numbing isolation. We live in lonely times. But God has called us to be a people and a community. And that means that love requires some burdens. That means love is defined by you bearing a burden. And get this, be humble enough to accept this. Love means you're going to be a burden on somebody else. If I had 25 cents for every time I heard a baby boomer say, I don't want to be a burden on my children, I'd be a wildly wealthy man. Remember this, those babies didn't nurse themselves or change their diapers. And nowhere did you read in the Bible that love meant you're never going to be a burden on somebody. In fact, it's just the opposite. In Scripture, we are to bear one another's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. And so we learn to lean in the royal law of love. I went from high school being a student in the youth group to the next year and junior college student as the youth minister of the Jones Memorial Presbyterian Church. One year I was on the van, the next year they gave me the keys to the van. It was an incredibly poor decision on their part. But they were desperate. I've been serving desperate people a long, long, long time. <laughs> long, long, long time. And so I went in there, and, and so we were doing that. I've been around a lot of youth revivals. I've been around a lot of summer camps. And back in the 90s, there were some things that were predictable about those things. One of the things that was predictable, we would always sing Rich Mullins' Awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. This is where Baptists learned to raise our hands and cry. It's where we got in touch with our emotions in church. And we sang God is an awesome God. And he is. But most of the time we also sang Bill Withers Lean On Me. Because it came with motions. You know, you'd pair off with a partner and you'd go back to back, lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Four, five, we'd yell. We'd go five right after that. It won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Maybe just maybe Bill Withers belongs in the hymnal. There's some great wisdom in that song. It's so subtle, it's so rich, it's so beautiful. You lean on me, because let me, let me tell you what, you can count on this, there's coming a time I'll need to lean on you. And Ruth and Naomi, as they journeyed, as they traveled, as they went on the dole, as they survived, as they prospered, they did it together leaning on one another. When life gets bitter, we can lament. When life gets bitter, we can lean. And friends, and this is simple, and it's sort of embedded in the other two. When life gets bitter, we can live on. 
I love those, those old posters in London from the days of the bombing. Carry on. Carry on. The thing about Ruth and Naomi that was so interesting to me and so encouraging is that they carried on. They lived on. In the midst of those hard, crucible moments, they decided they would try a new life someplace else. They'd go back home. They carried on. They lived on. They heard the rumor on the wind in Moab that God had visited his people by giving them bread in Bethlehem, the house of bread. So they lived on. They carried on. They moved on. They kept living. And you know, when they heard that rumor that there was bread in Bethlehem, they did not for one moment think that the way God delivered it was by backing up a sunbeam bread truck and handing it out in plastic sacks. They got to town as the barley harvest was going on. And so immediately they would join as gleaners in the harvest. Immediately they would enter the fields with sweat on their faces. Immediately they would go and they would gather the grains. And they would be part of the people that would press the olives to make the oil. And they would be the people who gathered the water and toted it uh, to the center of town. They would be the people who would gather the wood to kindle the fire. They would be the people that kindled the fire. They would be the people who kneaded the dough. They would be the people that baked the bread. They would be the people that put it on the table. When God said there was bread in Bethlehem, he was inviting them to a life of purpose and work. Not to a sack from a truck. One of the great images of the promised land in Deuteronomy goes like this. I just think it is fantastic. For the Lord your God, this is Deuteronomy 8, verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land which you will eat bread without scarcity in which you will lack nothing a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. I love that last little image. In whose hills you can dig copper. One of the early sermons I preached in this church over 11 years ago was a sermon called Copper in the Hills. That God places copper in the hills and sends us to mine it. By giving us his grace and his abundance and his provision, he gives us work to do. He gives us purpose. God didn't say, hey, lucky leprechauns, there's a bag of gold at the end of the rainbow. He says there's copper in the hills that you can dig. Like Naomi, sometimes we're faced with hard things and sometimes those hard things paralyze us. They stop us. They make us think we have nothing to contribute, nothing to do, nothing to help. When there are ways, God's gracious ways for us to be involved in getting the copper and making the bread. And so we need to live on. So friends, you may be in a situation today where you're like, Matt, this is great. I'm glad it's for somebody, but it's not for me. The lines have fallen in pleasant places today. Things are just great. The sun is shining. I've had those seasons where you think, man, I couldn't jump any higher right now. You might be in one of those seasons. 
and I'm joyful with you, and I clap for you, and I'm with you. I'm rejoicing with those that rejoice. But it won't always be this way. And that's, that's life. And when you get there, I want you to know what to do. When I went to seminary in New Orleans, I bought a trailer in New Orleans East. And I'll tell you this, you haven't really fully lived until you've lived in a single wide trailer off of Gentilly Boulevard in New Orleans, Louisiana. It's living. And uh, moved into that place, and not long after moving in, uh, I went to the, to, the, to the bathroom. I wanted to call it the guest room bathroom. I mean, I had two in there, you know, the master suite. And then the guest. And so I was back in the one on the side, the guest, the best one. And the whole room just kind of moved. And I thought, man, I'm getting a little big. I mean, that's back in the early days of the graduate school weight gain. I said, but this is ridiculous. The floor shouldn't do this. And it's just like it was like on water. And then these flying things came up out of the floor. It began to spin around the room. And I thought, man, this is like an episode of Cajun Body Snatchers or something. It's like a horror movie. I said, what am I living in? And will someone deliver me from this? And so I asked around and figured it out, and that bathroom was full of, of Formosa termites. We imported those from the Caribbean. They're smart people we are. And, uh, and so it was full of termites. And I just panicked. I'm like, you know what? I hear it. I'm just going to bankrupt me before I get started. I'm going to have to, you know, stack box trucks in New Orleans the rest of my life. I'll never be a pastor. This is awful. Blah, 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 blah. Wah, wah, wah. I called my dad. And I said, Dad, I have termites in, the, uh, in Casa de Snowden in, uh, <laughs> off of Gentilly. And he, he said, man, he said, son, as a Southerner, you should have already known this, but apparently you've missed it. In the South, you either have termites, you have had termites, or you surely will have termites. <laughs> he, said, he said, termites are part of life. You just got to deal with your termites move on and of course he came down to help me deal with my termites I did a little leaning you may be living in Naomiville today or you may be living in Maratown if you're not in Maratown there's chances are you've been there anybody courageous enough to say amen Oh, you'll be there. You have to decide to live on, to carry on, turning to God and leaning on one another by His grace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've called us to life. Lord, I pray that you would kindle hope in people's hearts. And I pray that you would strengthen us for living. Lord, we thank you for the love that you've shown us in Christ. We thank you that salvation is made possible because of your mercy and your grace. We thank you that we can live in you and that we can have our purpose in you that you have provided and that you have provided us with tasks and that you've provided us a community. We pray by your Spirit's power you would help us to carry each other's burdens. 
And God, we thank you that you are so big and so good that not only can you handle our complaints, but you invite them. Lord, I pray that you would give us courage to speak our hearts to you as you mold and shape us. Or as we stand and sing, I pray that we would, we would respond to you in ways that you have called us to. I pray if there's someone here who's to join this church, that they would come. Anyone here that would confess their faith publicly in you, having done so in the privacy of their hearts, that they would come. For all of us, Lord, I pray that by your spirit you would help us seal fresh commitments as we live and walk in this earth. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Friends, let's stand. Let's open our hearts and let's sing. And if God would have you to respond to something publicly today, we invite you to come for his glory and for your good. William. <laughs>